1: welcome. Today on the podcast, I have a friend of mine, Grant Hicks, a well-known financial advisor coach who's been out there basically helping advisors build better practices. But in particular, he's come to me with one of the more powerful and more effective means or strategies that he's seen advisors put in place for business owners that have really helped elevate their their business practices. That's specifically putting together mastermind groups. And with that, here's my interview with Grant. Grant, thanks for getting the time today. Thanks for having me, Jason. My pleasure. So Grant Hicks, tell us a little bit about what it is you do.
2: So in the industry for 33 years, I now focus on practice management and all facets of practice management. What we're going to talk a bit about today is the growth aspect of growing your practice. That's one of the elements. So really, we're going to look at how can you build not only just a better practice, but also focus on the ideal clientele that you'd really like to get into. That's what we want to talk a bit about. I'm going to share a story of one of the advisors I work with and their mastermind group, how to build it, how to manage it. What does that look like? What are the benefits? But more importantly, it's what are the benefits to your ideal prospects and or ideal clients, which are probably business owners. And that's what we're going to touch on today. Excellent.
1: All right. So, all right. Talk to me about what a mastermind group is and we can get into the benefits of it.
2: Yeah. So every every financial advisor wants to have a network of centers of influence. And so you need to find some good COIs, you need to meet some good COIs, and then you need to engage some good COIs. And it's the engagement level that gets advisors frustrated. And they say to me all the time, well, I got COIs, but I, I give them referrals, but I don't get any back. And that's what we want to talk about. How do you not only get in front of those COIs, how do you actually engage them to give and get referrals? So quick little story. So this one financial advisor, what we did was we we built the process to first off find COIs. And what he did was he went to his best clients and asked them for the names of what I call the magic six: accountant, lawyer, realtor mortgage broker, general insurance agency, and commercial expert. Mm-hmm. And so each of his clients shared who their COIs were working with. And so now he collected his top 20 clients, he had over 100 names of potential COIs to go and meet, interview, and build out what we call the mastermind group. The ultimate goal was not only just have a network of COIs, but bring them into a forum together and invite other business owners to this forum and actually put on your own mastermind group where we could work on business challenges, because we're all business owners at the end of the day, working on our businesses together. So that was goal number one. The goal, Jason, eventually went to number two, which we'll talk about as well, is why would these business owners join this group? And we're gonna talk a bit about succession and transition. So they found them through their best clients, then they met with them, and then we wanna draw in some other business owners engaged them. And we put together a mastermind group, brought them together. And the mastermind group really helped them meet other like-minded business owners that had similar challenges and were also worried about succession and transition. Excellent.
1: So, okay. So that's how they want to talk about the approach to the business owners. So you went to a number of business owners and said, hey, you know, after I've done all this, I've got this group of people together. What's the actual takeaways that they are going to be receiving from this? I mean, just networking with all those people is attractive in the first place. Knowing you got a bunch of people that's there, but you know, how are these things basically structured to be effective?
2: Yeah. So every business has different issues that they're working with. So they went back to the business owners and they kind of interviewed them and said, what are your top three challenges in business? And they would lay out their kind of top three challenges. And how do you kind of tackle those challenges? Do you have a business coach? You work with other training experts. Like, how do you tackle these challenges? And what they discovered was they were on their own. They were on their own devices to try to figure out how to tackle these challenges. Like Jason, what's a very common challenge for most business owners today in the economy? Is personnel, right? First, yeah, well, the
1: labor statistics alone. Yeah, that you know that that the, the challenges of work from home, but personnel, mm-hmm. people are the, always the biggest problem, whether it's now or ever.
2: Right. So imagine going to this group and hearing that, holy smokes, everyone's got the same problems. Everyone's running to the same challenges. How are we going to tackle this? And so they would bring in different HR experts to speak to the group. Hey, here's how other companies have challenged this. Would you like to join the group? Well, that would be valuable. Great. Join the group. They actually paid to be part of this group. Believe it or not, they paid to go and help their business challenges and put it together as, as a network. Right. So they would come to the group and they would look at what I call the five facets, you know, your business planning, your growth and marketing planning, your people and HR challenges, your processes to run your business and the key data and KPIs that you need to run. So we looked at managing those five areas of the business and working on those challenges. And so that was the drawing card for people to go, yeah, you know what? I'll join one meeting and see what it looks like, see what it sounds like. And one business owner would would join, listen to other three, four or five business owners tackle different challenges, have different speakers come in to work on those challenges. And they were working on their business. They were working on their business together with other like-minded people. And that was the drawing card. And so it, it became like the word got out. And as they were talking to more business owners, so all the COIs, they've got 30, 40, 50 business owners. And they had six or seven of them in the meeting. Imagine the number of business owners that wanted to be part of this mastermind group.
1: Well, I mean, it makes, it's interesting because I've seen, I feel like I've seen this sort of thing that's like, there's different groups out there for where business owners can meet other business owners. Fair enough, right? But I also found that those end up being, in some cases, echo chambers. You find a lot of like-minded people, which is good, but at the same time, you sometimes not having the outside parties or someone like an advisor or whoever else it is to help kind of guide through the unknown unknowns or just curate a little bit, sometimes leads to, you know, just a bunch of people making the same mistakes, as opposed to what you're describing here, which I think is specifically sure. turning to outside sources that have proven effective more than once, perhaps vetted by someone to ensure that these people actually know what they're talking about, and really kind of, I would say, bringing effective solutions to the forefront versus uh, versus just conjecture.
2: Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, I'm, I'm one of the speakers in the, in the mastermind group, and I talk about processes and running effective processes, and how do you map out the process how do you put it into workflows and what do those processes look like right and so we talk about each businesses and and what is your crm system what is your data system what is your technology what is your processes and those become really good discussions when you start to open it up and people are going to go yeah you know what what system are you using? How do you use it? What is? What do you do here? What do you do there? The questions start to come out and the dialogue starts to build and build and build because people have the same common challenges and the common questions to ask, right? And so you could tackle different business issues like we talked about, like the succession transition, like having a certified business evaluator. We got a business valuation expert from Florida who done it for 35 years and talks about all the mistakes you make when you, when you're valuing a business, like that's valuable stuff for these business owners and going, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's good. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. That's good to know. Now they have the inside leg when they're looking at their valuations and they're going back to their people and expert. They've had a, a conversation that gives them some confidence to go back and say, yeah, I could, I could tackle this. All right? Excellent. So it's incredible. So what are the more common areas that you see tackled in these groups, at least to your experience? Yeah, well, number one is is the HR issue. I mean, we all went through this and we had a very good long discussion. These f- four of the companies are now planning out, phasing in over the next three years of four-day work week. That I found amazing. Right. Cool. And we t- we talked about it, we planned it out. So their four-day work week is let's go to four days in the summer. And then let's go to four days and put shoulders on that. And let's go June to September. And then let's keep adding a few extra months. And over the next three years. The firm is going to be a almost primarily a four-day work week, which was which was really fascinating. And we talked about is it 32 hours? Is it 35 hours? Is it 40 hours? Yep. Right. This was really good, interesting dialogue. And there was different people there that from the accounting perspective and the cost perspective, the productivity is the, and the numbers are it's incredible for these people to realize that and going, geez, yeah. The fear is we've done it this way for so long. But the results are completely opposite. So that was one of the things. the The HR piece is is fascinating, as you know.
1: Well, and it's, it's, I think it's invaluable there because you probably have multiple real time experiments going on, right? People who are different stages of it, different experiences with it, and yeah, that entire like moving to a four day work week thing. It's 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 funny. Less is more in so many cases because it's. I mean, anyone who's I I have a weekly poker match with a bunch of buddies from university, and they various ones are different executive positions, and you know, listening to the different changes in the work life during COVID. And the entire remote work thing saw a massive productivity spike. These guys are working at companies like Quantify. it saw like 10 to 15% increases in productivity. And then the entire ones who moved to hybrid, it was like, you're not going into the office. If you're going in the office five days a week, it's easy to justify, you know, killing time by doing all kinds of other things, or maybe attending a local conference or taking a longer lunch. When you're there for only three days a week, and you have work to do, or two days a week, and you only have work to do, and yet you want to get it done, You're much more purposeful with that time. So it's not surprising to me, because I've seen it elsewhere, that moving to a four-day work week has actually resulted in higher productivity because it's just again, it's, you know, there's a what is it? It's Parkinson's law that basically says the amount of time, the amount of time it takes to the task will take the amount of time that's allotted. Right. So the more time you give something without a deadline, the less likely it's gonna get done. You give it a deadline and it gets it done.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So so HR was one big issue. That the second big issue is what I call a niche. COI network. And this is something for financial advisors to think about. You have your core COI network of accountants, lawyers, mortgage brokers, commercial people, et cetera. But also, this financial advisor built a niche COI network. And what that niche COI network, they focused on all people that are focused on succession and transition. So, a business valuator, a business broker, a commercial seller of different commercial properties. Commercial realtor. They focused on the lawyer that is doing mergers and acquisitions, right? So they built a network of people that are only in succession and transition. And so that this group of people became valuable when they came and did different presentations on telling how people took the company from X to Y and sold it. And here's what the next company did, X to Y and sold it, the different stories. And so those become really valuable conversations because everyone around the table is like okay yeah what's my exit strategy what's my plan for succession transition is it transitioning to family is it selling this thing and getting a big check like what are the, what are the issues here and so we work through the succession and transition issues which we start at lunch we have a lunch and and just get to get to say hi get a bit of a catch up and then there's a set agenda from 1 till 5 and then we go out for dinner And so in the afternoon session, like when you talk about you put succession transition on the agenda, there's the afternoon, like there's a lot to cover there, depending on what you're trying to tackle. So that conversation carries on in the dinner session of stories of other people where how they bought, sold different businesses. And and so they actually had someone come in during dinner to talk about, how they actually sold their businesses, what businesses they sell and what, how, you know, tell us the story. And it became part of the fascination of, wow, that's kind of interesting how that, how you bought the business, how you sold the business, how you went out, went about it. So succession transition is another big one. HR, succession transition. Hmm.
1: Question for you. I mean, the success stories are one thing, you know, how much is their focus on the, on the failings? The God knows the statistics on succession are are not great in that, you know, I remember even even in our industry, I've heard uh, statistics in the U.S. to say the average succession, successful session, takes about seven years to nail down and get completely done, start to finish. I like to joke that you know failure is a lot quicker than that. But the reality is, is if you're just talking to people who did it, who potentially did it right, or are telling you they did it right, is there any
2: kind of like horror stories sharing by some of the people who come in and discuss this? Yeah, the the accountant was talking about how they got a couple of businesses that just got completely devastated, such as AKA the entertainment business. During COVID, right? Yeah, and and like it just completely changed the the the, the math, obviously, and the, and the valuations. So the effect and and people trying to come back from from what happened after COVID, because there was different industries that went well succeeded, but there was a lot that didn't, right? Yeah, and so and so absolutely, we talked about that, and the accountant always likes to chime in on the math and the numbers because that's what that's what they kind of look at, and looking at it from where people are trying to get their revenue to and how does the math get there? Like, so if someone's trying to grow their business, for example, and, and then they, they're just looking at the growth aspect, not the net aspect and all the key performance indicators. So we talk about key KPIs quite a bit in the meeting and, and people have their goals set. They mm-hmm. have to have a goals session. Every session has a goals planning session, which is kind of interesting. And they talk about their, their personal goals, and their business goals, and the things that they're trying to accomplish. And it's interesting, every time you talk about your goals, how your priorities change. And, and, and there's actually a little goal exercise where the, the create the Excel spreadsheet and you, you prioritize your goals. In some meetings, this was priority and the person talked about this. And then that priority changed, which is kind of, is kind of an interesting observation I just made at one of the meetings of how some people's priorities kind of change slightly over over time and some are just steadfast the same
1: yeah i think mean, you know there's a personality type aspect of that i think some people are much more like they've got their clear destination the rest everybody else is figure, figuring it out quite honestly yeah yeah you know, good stuff so i mean talk to me about some of the bigger success stories i mean
2: like you, how long have you been doing one of the, these things all together yeah so off and on this the mastermind groups been around f- for years and i joined different mastermind groups and this one has been oh, this one's been around for a long time. We're we're talking seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. And they, th- this is more of a tighter group. The other mastermind group that I worked with was more of a focus on succession transition. That was a bit of the draw card. And mm-hmm. business owners would go, yeah, okay, I'd like to learn more about succession transition. What it turned into is more of, yeah, I need to work on my business. And what does that look like, mm-hmm. right? And so... But it's, I mean, that's to... not uncommon when you
1: start talking about the exit, right? People, you know, and you have the right conversations with valuators and people who market these things and everything else. You start saying, OK, wait a sec. I need to get my house in order first before I get that. Otherwise, you know, it's the old uh, saying, everybody, everybody thinks their baby's pretty. Very few think it's it's, it's ugly. And actually, funny enough, there was an advisor out of the
2: U.S. who actually published a my book baby's this. ugly. And I saw that baby's... book Yeah, yeah exactly. by that's Justin that. Goodbread. I'm like, yeah. wow, that was gutsy, gutsy cover. But you know what? Gets the covered, but like
1: well said, right? Because number of times everybody everybody thinks their baby's pretty, and especially when when it comes time to put a price tag on it, right? You get the entire endowment effect in play there. But reality is is that you gotta as pretty as you think it is, it doesn't matter. People are gonna judge it for their own what they consider beautiful.
2: So yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is people kind of hear about the group and they say, Hey you might be interested in coming out to a meeting. You might be interested in joining us, maybe join us for lunch, maybe join us for dinner. And it becomes a bit of a club that people kind of want to be involved in. And they want to stick around because they see the benefits, they see the networking effect, they build relationships. And at the meetings, you could see uh, people talking about, yeah, hey, you know what? I have this person. You should talk to this person about this issue. You should talk to this person about this issue. We have this person. Hey, I'm looking for more people on this side. And hey, I need an H- HR person and I need this and I need that. And so people are now starting to open up to give and share names and information and people and growing and expanding the network. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a it's mastermind. It's one plus one is three. And that, that's yeah. what that's what it's all about. Well, it makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's benefiting from from being
1: able to network like this. And it's. <sighs> The definition of the word sensei in martial arts is one who's walked the path before you, right? Effectively, this yeah. is bringing together a bunch of people who walked a different bunch of different paths who may or may not be relevant to what you're looking for, but can definitely help guide you. So, yeah. hugely valuable. Yeah.
2: One of the other aspects I want to share with you, the final mm-hmm. aspect, is the growth piece and the marketing piece. Mm-hmm. And and each person has to bring their kind of branding, brand guide, their marketing, marketing guides, or, or mm-hmm. ideas. Some Now, some companies have actual marketing people there and they we haven't had their own people come and and do a presentation but they they have that person give the ceo the the marketing presentation but it's interesting on the different marketing aspects of different firms and how you can kind of learn different things some people are spending a ton of money on on marketing and and seo and 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 different internet strategies and some people are doing it on a bootstrapping basis but Most business owners know they have to do the marketing. Some love it and they could talk about it all day long and most hate it, which is kind of interesting.
1: Right. Well, it's the old it's, it's, you know, for an industry that jokes around that 50 percent of it works. The problem is you don't know which 50 percent. It's no surprise that people who are used to running operations and direct investment and actual tangible outcome get frustrated by that degree of uncertainty.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And most business owners say to me, hey, Grant, can you build me a marketing plan or can you send somebody over that can do the marketing for us? They want to hire somebody. They want to outsource that, hire someone and get it off their plate and saying, yeah, okay, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. And kind of most of it is outsourced. They don't want to do the marketing themselves, which is completely understandable, right? But they know they have to invest in it. They know they have to spend in it. And so it becomes a conversation where They can put the plan on paper and then just go and outsource that piece.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Excellent.
1: So, all right. So tell me, about some of the, you've been around this long enough. Is there any kind of one, like one major success story that really sticks out in your mind for someone like where this was a real transformational event for them that they would have never seen other ones?
2: Yeah. yeah. I've got a a very successful advisory firm and they are on the planning side of things, of course, and they're doing planning. Of course, the revenue comes from wealth management and insurance, but it is a, it's a very blend of they're hitting the 4 to $5 million type of revenue levels by working with this COI network, because that's where a big majority of their most ideal clients are coming from. Not all of them are coming from there, but that's where they're getting a lot of the introductions from from people. And they've been doing it for... A few years. So this isn't, hey, I want to get better success and better clients and get it in the next three months. This is the long game where you're trying to find the ideal clients and you're trying to find your ideal niche, which would be probably business owners that are selling their practice. And it's the longer game where you're getting to help solve the problems. Like imagine, Jason, if you had, 10 people in front of you that says, hey, Jason, can you help me with succession and transition? I mean, you'd kind of light up like a Christmas tree and said, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to help you, talk to you about that, talk about all the planning aspects and put all the pieces together. And that's going to bridge into, okay, now I've got succession and transition issues. I've got also all these other planning issues for my company. So when people are working on their business, you could see how you could solve some of these problems. All right. Excellent. And so. That's what you want to put yourself in front of. Imagine if you had a group of 10 or 15 business owners that says, hey, Jason, I need I need your expertise and I need your help. That's what you're putting yourself in front of. Excellent.
1: Well, I mean, hard to disagree with anything you said and say that's not necessary. I got to tell you, it, uh, it
2: makes a lot of sense. So uh, before we wrap up, where can people find you if they're interested in looking? Advisorpracticemanagement.com. Three words, advi- it's all together. Advisorpracticemanagement.com. And granted, G. Hicks. com is the email address. So if they wanted to go to advisorpracticemanagement.com and there's a whole pile of resources, you can get a comprehensive practice management checklist there. You can get a uh, benchmarking, which is used for financial advisors, but we also use benchmarking for business owners. And you could look at how benchmarking could be a a tool to help people guide them as well. So there's a whole bunch of tools you can download for free at my website and go check them out. If you got any questions, feel free to email me.
1: Benchmarking is a great way of seeing just how pretty your baby really is. And, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. Grant, Thanks you so much for taking the time. Excellent. Have a great day, Jason. So that was my conversation with Grant Hicks. Hope you enjoyed that. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you see your podcasts. And until next time, take care.
0: This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you.